you think about the profound influence of the Bible on the world, the way that it has shaped our culture, whether you're a follower of Christ or not, it's probably a good idea that you know at least what it says. It's going to be about us taking and reading the Bible. All right, welcome back to the Take and Read podcast. And last episode, I was flying solo. I had a good time with it, but so I always like having somebody else. And it's a particular joy when I get to have this individual, Kurt Prater, dear friend, uh, buddy in life and adventure. And here we are gathered today, today over God's word. So welcome back, brother. Excited to be here again. <laughs> Always a good time. So, some things you can know about Kurt Prater and I. We we got to do life for a season together, and that was more than just um, working together on the same church staff, which we did and enjoyed. But our families really, really get along, and and so I have a vested interest in what goes on in his world and with his kids. And I just recently was stoked to get a text from you, Kurt Prater. The other morning, I getting up, I'm getting ready for the day, and I look at my phone, and there's a text, and you tell me you are going to need some uh, pointers on coaching 10U baseball. And I thought, yes! <laughs> yeah. I have spent many years coaching <laughs> baseball, and I remember trying to get you guys to get the bug, to catch the bug. And, yes. And your boy caught the bug. He is so excited. And, uh, you know, we got to watch the Warren boys from a distance, and now we get to be in the thick of things here with the spring baseball season. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I have so much to catch up with you about. Um, and then we also need to get to our passage today. And so mm-hmm. just re- really brief any cool stories, any just catch-ups that you you want to give me and, and the folks that tune in here? What's going on in your world? Well, two things. Uh, we have been in a sermon series in the book of Esther. And if I could sum it up for me personally, the Lord has been reminding me that he's got the big picture. He is trustworthy. Yeah. He is faithful. And we see that in the life of Esther, in the life of Mordecai. We see it in all the characters in that incredible Old Testament book. And then also personally, I've been enjoying a a biography about Keith Green's life. Um, Hmm. Musician, artist, worship leader, um, and been devouring that and been challenged because at this point in the book, he's seeing people come to faith in Christ and he Hmm. is being bold and sharing his faith. And uh, so he's he's been a cool challenge for me um, hmm. as I'm reading his work. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Uh, we are we're journeying through the the Gospel of John. We're looking at these in in our sermon series at East Haven. We're going through and looking at the particular, like very particular encounters that Jesus has with individuals or people, and kind of banking on that that verse in the end of John where he says, you know, these things have been recorded so that you would believe. And so looking at these various encounters that were very intentionally selected, I mean, John says that 
many more works than these Jesus did. You know, the books of the world could not contain all of the things that he's done, but these in particular have been put here so that we would believe. So we're looking at those encounters and saying, okay, what is it about these encounters that would that would trigger or, or help people make that step of belief? And so it's been a it's been a fun series. But I have to tell you a story. So this happened to me. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Uh, two days ago, I'm sitting in my office. I finish up uh, a meeting with our team, and uh, somebody had scheduled a visit with a, a gentleman who wanted to talk about baptism. So he comes into the office, and uh, he's an older gentleman, probably mid to late 60s, uh, sits down and kind of tells me his story. That's typically, you know, I want to I hear their story and, un, you know, kind of get at why they want to be baptized. And so he tells me his story that uh, he's, he's been a believer uh, for quite some time and, and been walking with the Lord, but recently felt this conviction uh, to be baptized. And, and so he, he attends another church, uh, and this particular church uh, believes in infant baptism. And being a Baptist pastor that I am, I, I believe that uh, in adult baptism or believer's baptism. And so he's talking to me and asking, hey, uh, my church uh, won't baptize me, but because I got sprinkled as a, as a baby, and I want... I want a full immersion baptism. And that's what I feel convicted that the Lord is showing me I need to do. And I said, okay, let's talk more about that. So we wrestled with that. And and uh, I had to figure out whether that was something that, you know, with the, the kind of uh, nuances and traditions or precedent of the of East Haven, if that was, you know, something. And it was, it was all good and checked out. And so I said, okay, uh, you want to go get baptized right now? And he's like, right now? Uh, yeah, let's go do it. And he wow. Said, he said, uh, I said, our, our baptismal, it takes a little while to fill up and it'll be cold, but one of our pastors just lives down the road and he's got a hot tub. We can go, because it's, it's freezing cold. It's like 20 degrees out and snow on the ground. And so it's like, all right, let's, uh, you want to do this? And he goes, I actually brought some tr- swimming trunks and a towel just in case. I said, today is the day, my friend. So we hopped in the car, drove a couple miles down the road, uh, uh, one of our other pastors was there, Pastor Joey, uh, to kind of witness and bear testimony to this guy's uh, confession of faith. And so there are, uh, you know, within a few minutes, I'm standing in this hot tub with this guy, uh, asking him if he is, you know, a, a fully committed follower of Christ and, and trusting in Christ alone for salvation. And based on this confession of faith, man, went down and up and celebrated and got dressed, and he went his way, I went my way, and uh, he said he'll stop in from time to time to worship with us, but it was it was like Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch or something. It was like, okay, well, what prevents me from being baptized today? There's some water right there. All right, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> it was so cool. Oh, and a hot tub in Montana. That is so great. Yeah, so fun story. I couldn't wait to tell you. And uh, that's, yeah, first time it's ever happened. I hope it happens, you know, again. That was, that was pretty exciting. Um, yeah, some, some things that are developing here at the podcast. Uh, I've, I've launched and I was kind of playing with and now have for a few weeks or a few episodes this uh, opportunity called Buy Me Coffee. 
And there's a link uh, that's down in the description of uh, the last few podcasts. And, and what it is, it's a link to this kind of uh, external site where people can follow me or contribute financially to support the podcast. But what I found that I'm really excited about with it is the fact that people from the different avenues of you know, engaging with this podcast can actually join in one spot. So we've got people that tune in on podcast or on YouTube. Uh, we've got people that are on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and several other platforms. And they can comment and interact with each other on those, those platforms, which is great. But I mean, we've got several thousand people now that engage in this podcast. And this creates one spot where they can kind of come together and form a community. And so I'm excited to let people know if you want to. There's a link. Again, it, it, the link says buy me coffee. And definitely the proceeds help me meet with people and get coffee with people and just kind of you know, help them in their journey to follow Jesus. But it's also a way to help support future projects and opportunities that might come about because of this podcast. So it's a place for people that want to join the Take and Read community and, and kind of, I don't know, uh, put a, a flag in the ground to say, hey, I want to be a part of a community that's committed to regularly taking and reading the Word of God and wrestling with it. Uh, and that they can be believers or non-believers, but it's just a group of people that are tracking together through the text and a place for them to engage and converse, and that I get to jump into that conversation as well. So excited to tell people about Buy Me Coffee or whatever, um, and hit that link, Buy Me Coffee. I think it's slash take and read or something like that. So I encourage people to check it out. Uh, if you don't want to join the community, you can still buy me a cup of coffee. I mean, today... Um, <laughs> Today's coffee is brought to you by 22 Beans, which I just brewed, a fresh cup. And I'm trying for the first time. I brushed my teeth prior to the cup of joe, which is new for me. Uh, I've had a lot nice. of people really challenging me to, to stretch stretch out and spread my wings in that way. So, look, I'm trying new things. So proud of you. I forget. Are you a pre-coffee brusher? I forget. Nope, nope. I don't fall into that category, although I'm not okay. opposed to trying it out. I do know that some other friends who join the podcast are uh, yes. fall into that category. So, I'm, 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 Yeah, Granger <laughs> being the greatest defender of that. <laughs> but I'm going to well, try mean, it his way just so I can, I can say I tried it and I don't like it. That, maybe yeah, that's do you, what I it mean, are you going to weigh in? Are you going to weigh in on it right now? Or do you want to wait? I wait? mean... Here's here's what I experienced with the the toothbrushing pre-coffee. My mouth was fresh and clean and had a, a little bit of mint. So I think it really depends on the kind of uh, toothpaste you're going to engage in and then the time between brushing and, and coffee. Now, if you're somebody who likes a, you know, a peppermint mocha or something like that, this this may be the way to go, but I I'm a coffee purist. I drink just black coffee, no frou-frou in it and I'm I'm going to say that I would prefer the coffee first and then I'll probably go and brush my teeth after this cup of coffee just cuz I need to kind of be fresh after that cuz you don't want the coffee breath, the dragon breath that just kind of <laughs> keep repels people away but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's what I got. Good feedback. I appreciate it. <laughs> All righty. 
We came here to take and read the Word of God, Kurt. Let's do it. Yeah. So let's. Uh, we're going to jump into Mark 14 today. All right, and we are. Um, man, we're getting close. We're getting close to the end of this bad boy. We're in Mark 14. We're going to be verses three through nine, and. Uh, we've just, in the last episode, we kind of looked at the reality that the chief priests and the scribes are, are now really kind of at a, at a fever pitch. They really want to get rid of Jesus. They're trying to plot to kill him, but they've determined out of their own kind of self-preservation, they can't do it during the feast of the Passover because there's so many people in town, could cause a riot. And so they're trying to figure out a way to do this by stealth but still not sure that they can um, kind of arrest him during the feast lest there be an uproar is what they say in verse 2. And so then um, it kind of, like that's the scene, like if you were in a movie, you would see this scene kind of zoom in on the chief priests and the scribes and their plots to kind of do away with Jesus, and then it cuts to another scene, and that's where we pick up here in 14 verse 3. Uh, I am reading out of the ESV. What do you got today? New American Standard today. Perfect. All right. So it'll be it'll be fun for you to weigh in on if there's different word usage, things like that. I think that would be helpful. All righty. So here we are uh, starting in 14 verse 3. Again, Kurt and I prayed before we hit record on the podcast and I encourage everybody that as you get ready to read the Word of God, this book is is a supernatural book and can only be understood when the Spirit of God gives you eyes to see and ears to hear. And so um, we did that, and I want to encourage others to do that as well. All right, jumping in, verse 3. And while he was at Bethany, he being Jesus, in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table... A woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment, of pure nard, very costly, and she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, Why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can go do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body before the burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So cool. So mm. cool. So uh, there's a few things that, that jump out in this passage that, that I think might cause questions or explaining. I don't know if you've identified any of those. So what do you see so far that we might need to go? Okay, what does that mean? Well, just a little thing between the two versions. You have ointment, and then mine reads perfume. I think not, not a huge discrepancy there, okay. but just, just uh, another yeah. identifier. Um, yeah, which um, it probably the the idea of perfume just means that it it's probably a very fragrant ointment, 
but it would have been something that was used in ritual or for, you know, to help people smell good. So it probably had multiple uses. Um, and we know that it was expensive. So, yeah, good good thing to point out. Yeah. Uh, we know where he is. Bethany's just, a, I think, roughly two miles outside of Jerusalem. Uh, so it's not, not a far cry. In fact, when... When we, if we remember the encounter that Jesus has with a fig tree, uh, and he's actually staying in Bethany, and the next morning when he's making his way back into Jerusalem, so when Jesus first arrives in Jerusalem, goes to the temple, and looks around, then when he goes back, he actually stays somewhere in Bethany, just a few miles outside of town, and then he goes back in. And so this is, it's clear that there's this kind of little community that's just outside of Jerusalem where he probably set up shop to stay um, with, with you know, people that he was close with. He's reclining at table. We're given a specific about the identity of whose house he's in, mm. which is interesting. Yeah. Simon the leper. Yeah. Anything yeah. about that that kind of stands out to you? I was just going to turn that question on you. What what should that um, kind of pique our interest? Why why that detail? Yeah, at first I don't. You know, at first you would look at the Jewish tradition around leprosy would be one that that is a huge violation, um, and somebody who is a leper is unclean. They're removed from society for a period of time uh, until the leprosy leaves them, and they go through a ritual cleansing. And then they can be readmitted. Uh, there's no indication that he is still somebody who has leprosy. Uh, but so, I mean, it would be, it would, I, I mean, although Jesus is all about kind of breaking traditions and norms at, up to this point, I don't think that this is an inca- indication that he's an active leper, but possibly had leprosy. And then people knew him by that kind of condition from his past. Uh, so he's, yeah. we're given some detail though, that, that the location of this event was by name so that it could be followed up on. It could be verified, which I think mm-hmm. is important. So Simon, the leper must've been, it had some sort of reputation or known to some degree so that if someone asked around, Hey, where's Simon, the leper's house, uh, he probably would have been able to be identified. Yeah, you could probably speak to this, um, having the full context of what Mark has done in his gospel. I mean, you've got uh, Simon Peter. And so that identifier, just to put a kind of period exclamation points, it is clearly identifying who this Simon is for us, the reader. Yeah, that's a great point, because you're going to encounter Simon the Cyrene. You're going to learn of other Simons. Uh, I believe it was a Simon that carried Jesus's cross up to the hill. Um, yeah, so you've got, yeah, you've got a distinguisher that this is somebody other than Simon Peter or another one of the Simons. So that's a great call. And so then you have the actual event, like what this woman does. You have the response to what she's done. And then you have Jesus's response to what has been done and their response. So it's very, there's this kind of very flow to this encounter that this woman brings out uh, a flask that probably would have been sealed 
And so to get it open, it's, uh, it would have had to have been broken and you got to use it then. It's once it's broken, it's, it's opened and it's poured out and you're not, you break the flask and you're not intending to preserve it, I guess. Um, mm. It's like a one use kind of thing is what's implied. And, and that kind of speaks to why they're so upset. It's not like she just had a little bottle and she could have taken a, a dab and, and put it on there, but she takes something that, that is absolutely in the eyes of those around is incredibly valuable. Mm. And she sees that this, this is the perfect time and place to spend this. She's had it. She's, it's obviously very valuable. It's 300 denarii. One denarii is equivalent to a full day's wage for a basic worker at that time. Mm. So you're thinking somebody's working minimum wage, that's their full eight-hour shift is one denarii. So we're talking 300 days of work. That's almost a full year of labor that this is estimated at. Mm. So yeah, it's a... That's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. And what this woman sees is he's totally worth it. No question. And what prompted her to anoint him? Like he even gives some insight. This was, she's preparing me for, for burial. I mean, we don't know if she knew that, but she was compelled. I have this thing of value and it would be the highest honor and the greatest worth to spend this on him. Mm. So she's in, she's convinced he is totally worth this sacrifice. So she does it. She breaks it. She pours it over his head and they freak out. What's, what's their deal? Yeah. And reveals their heart their where their motive is. And clearly they don't have the bigger picture. Mm. And here's another teachable moment with Jesus. And he capitalizes on that and says, look, this act that she is performing sends a message because of the perfume or the ointments of value. And it has, it's a part of the bigger picture here that my father's doing. Yeah. Yeah. If you jump into this, is this account, this event happens and is recorded in other gospels. We're not going to look at those today. Uh, again, part of my goal here is to confine myself to Mark and really allow this account and, and try to harvest this for what I need to, to get out of this and let the Lord show me in this particular account. But I, I do think it's important to go and see context and other accounts of this. And that will those other accounts will introduce that there's some other uh, players there. There's some other individuals there. Um, and so it's, it's going to give light to other things that those gospel writers and, and God wants you to see in their account of this event. But this one, we're just given that there's, there's people that are responding. We don't know specifics. We don't know if it's disciples. We don't know if it's just kind of a general crowd or new, new followers. Um, but in this account, we're just told there's a reaction. And those that are reacting, there's their heart is revealed, as you said. And I think that's so key. And there, it says, mine says they are um, indignant. Mm -hmm. It says they, um, 
Some said to themselves indignantly, why was this ointment wasted like that? Like you just, I don't know what your best indignant tone is, but it's just kind of like disgust. And just, just so kind of looking down on whatever you're seeing. You're just in, ah, the indignity of it. Ugh. Yeah, and the follow so yeah. with scolding her. I mean, indignant on the front end of that, and their statement, and then they're scolding her. Yeah, they assume an authority over her that they can now scold, right? Like a parent does a child. Like, what are you, what, what are you thinking? Uh, and so there's kind of a shame that's involved. Like, they're trying to shame her for what she's done. She's so wasteful. And they're thinking on this extremely practical, human, tangible level. And she's just responding in the way that one ought to respond when they're in the presence of the Lord. Like, the best that I have is yours. It's all yours. And it's not a waste when I give it to you. It's not a waste. It's yours. Um, and so then he, he, Jesus proceeds to teach them. All right, so they've scolded her. He, there's no sense in which he scolds them, but he definitely classes in session, and it's time to listen up. And he tells them that what she's done to me is beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. Mm. In fact, your concern with all this money and, and this, this pious thing that you would do like, what would be the motive to do something pious in the first place but to honor the Lord, right? To, to seek to honor the Lord and to help others honor him. That would be the goal of feeding the poor. And he's like, this is the greater honor. This is the beautiful thing. And he tells them, you're always going to have the poor, which that alone is an interesting statement. There's, I mean, when you... Part of my my pastoral ministry involves outreach and engaging with the community and leading the church to engage with those who are in need, uh, to show the love of Christ in that way. And it's very easy to get into the mindset that we've got to eradicate all poverty. Mm -hmm. And that's our end goal here, is to make sure no one's poor anymore. And that's a very worldly perspective if you consider what's said here. The goal of, of feeding the poor is not necessarily and primarily to eradicate poverty, but to honor the Lord and bring others to him, to make him known, make his love known. And what Jesus is saying is you're always going to have them. Like, so it's very, it's very interesting. Any thoughts that's, on that? that? That's an incredible observation. Uh, that did not stand out to me. I'm thankful you brought it up. But it it does highlight the fact that what she has demonstrated has uh, it, he's created a priority. He's like, you've got me. She's worshiping me, and she has done something that's very costly to her, and she's actually in the right. So I, mm -hmm. I actually think back to the widow as they're observing the giving in the temple, and the widow gives out of her what she has. Others are giving more. And Jesus like, who's giving more here? Um, so I like that you pointed out just that teachable moment here. Jesus goes again. It, it's kind of twofold. He teaches those who are listening and 
corrects them. And then he's also said she's she's prepared me for burial. So they, he's foreshadowing what's to come and what is even happening in their midst yeah. that they don't they may not even have a full awareness of what's what's taking place. Yeah, I wonder if you're sitting there and they're, you're all frustrated about this ointment being wasted and and you're like, ah, this is, how, what are you doing? And then Jesus is like, hey, whoa, what she's done is beautiful. You're always going to have the poor with you. You'll have plenty of time to go and serve them and meet their needs. Besides, she's preparing me for burial. I wonder if they're like, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> right. <laughs> Anyone else catch that? Did he just say he's getting prepared for burial? <laughs> Wait up. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, what she has done, she has done what she could. That's an interesting statement. Mm. And I think that in this, this resonates the most with me, that there's this indication, am I doing to the full extent what I can? To honor the Lord, to all the stuff that I have, all of my earthly possessions, how loosely do I hold them? Mm. And when the opportunity presents itself to honor the Lord with my stuff, do I do all that I could? Or do I do what's culturally acceptable or expected? Uh, I think that is extremely convicting. <laughs> so convicting. Oh man. Hey man, I, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm processing that. I don't know just if even that hits as you, that, yeah, that resonates with me. And I, I th- my mind goes back to the old covenant, and they were to bring their spotless mm-hmm. sacrifice, and thinking to. Romans fast forward to the New Testament and what are we to bring a life of worship and it we are to bring who we are and in complete service to the Lord but that also includes for me that's my musical ability I'm to give my all to the Lord however excellent or not it Hmm. is I need to bring it all well that you can just go down the line of every component aspect of my life of our life and that question of essentially what yeah. you just posed, or are we bringing what we can to serve and worship the Lord? I think that's a powerful point. I mean, we sometimes we think about this in the context of stuff, but giving all that you could absolutely entails your gifting, your ability, your time, uh, not just your treasures, but is they, you know, the, the kind of triad time, treasure, talent. Um, and again, it's not about earning favor. It's not about, uh, yeah, it's not about doing this in, in order to earn Jesus's favor or love, but it's about worship it's it's a it's worshiping in spirit and truth having the perspective that you hold lightly the things that you you have uh, and recognizing the source of those things whether that be your treasure your time or your talents 
that these things all come from God and are for God to be used by him and for his purposes to bring him honor and glory. So that's, that's just a powerful reminder. And I think uh, as I look at and this final statement that Jesus says, and truly I say to you, whoever or wherever the gospel has is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So there's a way in which she is seeking to honor the Lord and in her act of sacrifice and wanting to just worship and honor him with all that she could, there's this return of let let her be honored as well, that her sacrifice will not go unnoted, but will stand as an example uh, to others, so to us today. So I think as I, I wrestle with uh, this this passage, and I think I think we lost Kurt. I think our connection got interrupted. So um, I'm just going to continue on, and if he jumps back on, he jumps back on. That'd be great. But I think in light of what we've talked about, the thing that resonates for me is is that she gave all she could, and in this, the Lord is pleased. He calls her effort beautiful and that what she has done, he is determined will be uh, memorialized wherever the gospel is proclaimed. This level of sacrifice and this beautiful behavior as an act of worship will be promoted. And it's an act that is generous and not stingy. And the response of those around her are, is a response of stinginess. They're upset and frustrated that she's, she's done this thing. And they have perceived and interpreted that as an extreme waste. But in the eyes of the Lord, it was beautiful and to be remembered. And so I think that the idea that doing all that we can do with our time, with our treasure, and with our talents to honor the Lord, to give them to him, that he may use them any way that he wants to, that's what resonates in this text. And this activity of this woman is a beautiful thing for us to imitate, I think, with the right motives, not because we want Jesus to be pleased with us, but because he is already pleased with us because of what he's accomplished on the cross we can do this out of complete, generous, and joyful hearts. We can give freely, just like she has. Well, thanks for tuning into the podcast today. And again, sorry that we lost Kurt there at the tail end. Uh, love you, brother, and look forward to touching base with you again. Thanks for catching up, and I'm excited for you and coaching baseball and what lies ahead. I want to encourage you as you've listened to this podcast, if there's something that's resonated or a question that's come up or a challenge uh, that you've had from this text, leave comments. Uh, yeah, if you have questions, you can always email me or you can jump over to buy me a coffee. Uh, hit that link below and you can uh, jump on there and join in the community. Again, I'm, my goal is to build a community of people that are taking and reading the Word of God on a regular basis and are dialoguing about it, engaging with it. Because there's something too, when you join a community, 
of people that are committed to the same thing you are, there's an accountability in it. And I don't know about you, but I benefit from accountability, whether that's working out or getting into the word or whatever else that I've said, hey, this is a good thing. I should do it. Man, I'm, I'm always more successful when I'm doing it with other people that will then say, hey, are you still in the word? Are you still doing it? So uh, Buy Me a Coffee is a, is a platform where you can go. You can join the Take and Read community. Uh, you can either one time or you can choose if you want to, if you want to be generous. Uh, man, I'd love your monthly support. You can kind of join at a couple of different membership levels and you'll get some additional content. Uh, so, uh, yeah, there's uh, this, I think level one is just, hey, $5 a month. I want to help you out and, and see this thing grow. Level two is a little bit more and you're going to be able to have input on the future projects that we might undertake on this podcast and... When we finish Mark, you'll get to weigh in. If you're part of that number two level of membership, you get to weigh in on uh, what we do next, uh, what book we jump into next. If you want to join at the the third level, you'll not only get to all the benefits of one and two, but you'll also get to uh, have that input for what's next as well as you get free swag. I'm going to send you either a hat or a shirt or something like that. And so we'd love to... Love to have more and more people join this community of Take and Read. Again, I hope that you encounter the, the Lord through his word today. And if you're still wrestling with who Jesus is, keep reading. Look full into his wonderful face and see Jesus. But don't just stop at looking on him. Believe. Trust him. Because he's got you. Man, it's been a blessing encourage everyone out there to go take and read the Word of God. Blessings. Blessings.